The 4th of July is one of the biggest celebrations in the United States. Unfortunately, it's often marked by loud and bright fireworks displays, large crowds, and booming music. This year marks our family's first attempt to view the fireworks. Join us as we share tips on how to create an autism-friendly celebration. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. So I just realized we called this episode, We Try the Fourth of July, but technically we did not try the Fourth of July (laughs) because the fireworks was on a different day. So you're just a liar then. I know. I just realized that. I was like, hmm, is this false advertisement? (laughs) Caught in your own lie. (laughs) This year is the first year that we actually attempted the 4th of July fireworks with our kids. Actually, we've never done it ourselves, actually, right? In our entire marriage and dating relationship, I don't think we've ever got around to seeing the fireworks together. I really don't get it because, like, at least the last... 10 years or so there's been something going on so it's like either they're like oh we're not going to shoot fireworks on the 4th of july we are going to do it early we're going to do it late oh the weather's bad there was always like some type of like reason for it not being on the 4th as planned and i don't really remember that from my childhood so i don't know what in the world is going on like we even went to like this um firework display and it wasn't on the 4th so i'm like <laughs> i don't get yeah. it like, yeah it was almost like serendipitous that we would finally be able to see it together with our family and our kids for the first time cuz our girls have never seen fireworks either it was definitely interesting more so because like we were getting to like experience it for the first time but it's like the first time as a family so there's a lot of neat emotions i think that were kind of going on during that and i think it was definitely good that we had like planned and prepped beforehand so we kind of knew a little bit about what we were getting into without encountering as we go it was a big day because i mean obviously the fireworks start well after like our kids go to bed so we already knew that they would be up later we knew that they might get cranky we knew that they would have to kind of be entertained a little bit but then if the off chance that they fell asleep before the fireworks we had to be okay with okay they can take like a slight power nap and then we can try and see if they're able to like wake up or stay up for the fireworks so that was just like the pre-game prepping and then we were just hoping a little bit for the best overall i thought it went pretty well for a first time yeah we found out that our local area doesn't actually do the fourth of july fireworks on the fourth of july so they ended up doing it on what something crazy because it was like what last saturday so like a week ago or something like that so really early june the 20 20 something yeah so (laughs) i was like that was outrageously early i didn't even realize that they were doing them until the last second i was like oh my gosh it's today we decided that we're going to try to enjoy this as a family especially since matt and i have never been able to enjoy them as a couple we thought this would be something really special and unique to do with the kids and since like our main fundraiser or like fun drive that we do for autism wish is the earmuff drive I was like, well, how can we do that as like a fundraiser or like something that we do for the kids and we never even bring our own kids to the 4th of July fireworks? So I felt like obligated that we we were, we had to do this. So we made sure that we planned in advance. And I think that in retrospect, that is why it was so successful. We did a couple different things to make sure that things would go smoothly. 
the first thing that we did was planning in advance, making sure that we had our wagon. The wonderful wagon was super pivotal in this. We made sure that we had that wagon so that the kids had an area to kind of be self-contained. If they got scared, they could hide under the seats. It has like a little shaded cover overhead. So if for any reason they were overwhelmed with the lights or anything, we could cover that up. We also made sure that they had their iPads and that they were fully charged. If they don't like it, then we can always put them in the car and just have them use their iPads while we're watching it. So we had that as a distraction. And that also helped keep them up until late because it was, how late was it that they started it? Do you remember? Because I think it was scheduled for nine, but I think it went past nine. So of course, like I didn't think about it until we're there. I think they said that the event went on from like seven to 10 was when they were going to close it out. But it never occurred to me like, most places that have like fireworks or t- some type of display, as well as like food vendors, that and entertainment, they always save the fireworks to like the last very like possible moment. Like that's the closeout of like the night they end with the fireworks. So like when it said like it ends at 10, should have realized that that meant it's going to start like half hour, 20 minutes right before it ends. So yeah, it was starting at probably around 940, 945 or so. And our kids usually go to sleep around like 738. Between seven and eight, usually when you go out to see fireworks, usually in my experience, it has been that they do it when the sun sets, like they do it at dusk. And the sun was scheduled to set at like nine or 930. So we thought that that's when the fireworks were going to go off. And it wasn't for another like hour after that. It was worse than that. The sunset was like at 850 or so. It kept getting like darker and darker and you could like barely even see like a little bit of like yellow, but it was otherwise like pretty black. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we've been waiting so long. Like hopefully this like comes soon and our kids don't like pass out or start having a like meltdown because they're overtired or something. But thankfully, as soon as it like started, that kind of gave them like a little jumpy, a little excitement. So they were okay to actually work through the the rest of the show. And maybe I'll post a picture on social media next week. One of the things that we did was bring that wagon, the iPads. There's a couple of things that we did to try to make this a smoother transition. One is we made sure they were fed beforehand. So we got them food and got them situated with food before we got there. The biggest thing I think that we did that really made a difference is we avoided the crowds completely. The whole area where they had the fireworks, they had vendors, they had bouncy houses, all this stuff, the music going. We basically completely circumvented that. And what we did is we ended up going to like a building with a parking lot, an empty parking lot that was like a couple blocks past that, that still had basically an amazing view of the fireworks because it was it was probably just one block past it. So we still had a great view, but it was not crowded. There was not a ton of loud noise and all this stuff happening. We were able to basically keep isolated from all the chaos. And I think that that made a really huge difference. The beauty of fireworks is they're in the sky. So like you don't have to worry about like trees or anything. So yeah, uh, we weren't able to see any of the crowds or anything. So we were just like kind of <laughs> hanging out in a parking lot. And that was, I mean, the show, as soon as it started, you were able to see the fireworks over the trees and we didn't have to deal with crowds or more importantly, the bouncy houses, because I know that the kids would have wanted to go in there. They wouldn't have wanted to come out. They might've thrown like a tantrum because we've had some challenges there as far as transitioning out of like a, a preferred activity to sitting and waiting. So obviously we would have had to transition them out before the fireworks would have started. 
So I think that that would have added a few complications um, unnecessarily. So yeah, that was definitely a um, helpful approach to not trying to engage in all the activities at once, kind of stay focused on what the main objective was for the night, which was the fireworks. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, I think, a good experience for the whole family that we got to enjoy. Thankfully, they both had their earmuffs and they were okay with the little popping sound and the light display. So yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, I think the oldest one actually, after a little bit, took her earmuffs off. She felt comfortable enough taking them off. Initially, she felt a little anxious, but eventually she actually took them off. What we really did was expose our kids to one stimulation at a time. So like progressively exposing them to new experiences rather than doing it all at once. And I think that's why it was so successful. So instead of just throwing them into this festival that's going to have music and smells of all these different foods from the food vendors and all the games going on and all the kids screaming and all the movement, we figured, you know, that compounding with the fireworks being visually, you know, bright, the sound of them popping, the smell of the smoke in the air, all of that combined together would have just been way too much. We realized that just getting them to be able to sit through just the fireworks alone would be a challenge. So we didn't want to push our luck with that. And we wanted to just gradually wean them into that experience. So that's why we decided to just start this year with just the fireworks and get as much of the other sensory stuff out of the way just to see how they would do with the fireworks alone. And they did really well. They did use their earmuffs. One of them removed them halfway. The younger one is very sound sensitive, so she kept hers on. We also offered them sunglasses. So we brought like a sensory kit with us and we packed sunglasses in there too. Sometimes people don't think about this and they're like, sunglasses at night? What? That doesn't make sense. But there's some kids that sensory-wise, just the high contrast of the firework, the bright firework to the super dark sky and the flashiness of it, sometimes that can be overstimulating for kids who are light sensitive. So believe it or not, some kids will actually need sunglasses to watch fireworks displays. So we had that in our little sensory bag as well, just in case. The oldest was actually uh, curious, and I think that's why she had taken her like headphones off because she was trying to figure out like, oh, okay, like how does it all like work? And we were trying to explain like the popping that you're hearing is like the fireworks. So I think she was like trying to put them together as far as trying to figure out like, oh, okay, you hear the pop, and then there's like the the lights. So it was kind of a neat experience just to kind of explain that to her. But yeah, I, I definitely think focusing on one sensory situation at a time, mostly because like in our situation, like our kids were up well past their bedtime. So we tried to have a very like calm activity, which was them watching one of their little shows. Shout out to like what, Bluey or something? Yeah, they're really into Bluey <laughs> so, right now. <laughs> so like they're they're watching like their, their little show and they're both kind of happy and just kind of relaxing. And then we were able to tell them, oh, okay, I think it's time for the fireworks. And then they're already at a, a relatively calm, peaceful state rather than having a lot of kids and excitement and yelling and everything where they're already kind of up as far as like a high intensity moment and then trying to settle down from that, which I think probably would have been a little bit more difficult rather than being in a very calm state and then being able to go into the fireworks as a new potentially preferred activity versus trying to back down where you're already having fun in a bouncy house, but mom and dad are pulling me out to like stare at the sky because they don't necessarily know what fireworks are and they don't know anything about it. So I definitely think that that is a smart approach rather than trying to do everything at one go, especially if you haven't done it before, start small and then kind of increase from there. And I think hopefully 
that will lead to some type of success. We also kind of did not really like a social story, but we kind of talked about the idea of fireworks and kind of showing little videos with like animated characters with fireworks. So I'm not sure how much that really like transferred over, but like it was something we kind of did beforehand. Yeah, well, we also did the uh, America's birthday. We basically were just telling them, what's the 4th of July? We basically just explained it to them. Oh, it's America's birthday. And because we explained it that way, they were really into it because, you know, little kids and birthdays, they love birthday parties. While we were explaining it as birthdays, they started looking up all these videos of like old timey, like United States America songs, like America the Beautiful, like all these things that like you don't really hear much anymore, but it's like those classics. Yeah. Yeah, So somehow, and I don't know how, but they found them on their iPads. And so while we were at the fireworks displays, they were actually like playing these songs. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that you knew that that song was like associated to the 4th of July. But it was kind of funny because they were like adding their own personal soundtrack to the displays. But it it worked out. I mean, because they felt that they were a part of something that they understood, even though they had never been to it before. So they kind of understood like, okay, these songs are associated with America with fireworks. So by them playing them, they felt like they were belonging in there, even though it's like their first time experiencing it. I could not have asked for a better first experience with them. Both of them did really well. I was a little concerned that maybe they would get a little bit scared. But I think because, again, we were a little bit further away from the actual launch site of the fireworks, it wasn't as maybe like scary for them. They were a little bit further back, but I mean, they were still able to see like the beautiful fireworks blasting off and everything. So, yeah, no, I I think we'll probably try to do the exact same thing any other time we can get fireworks. Fun fact, I do not like fireworks because I've been shot at by them twice. (laughs) (laughs) I've been accidentally burnt by fireworks that have been like kicked over or damaged twice and I've had them explode in front of my face and now I'm like, I want to stay away from them. You don't like fireworks. You love them. The fireworks love me. Let's just put it that way. So I hide behind a car and it still goes under the car and explodes in my face. I'm like, how? How do I get away from this? (laughs) You probably haven't gotten a chance to see it. I sent you a a little like video clip of like a like firework display that had gone bad. It was like a family like in their front yard about to shoot off fireworks. And like one went like a miss and you see like the kids up front and like a baby, like one's on like a little baby walker, pretty close. Like I wouldn't do that. And then like they have, must have like a whole box that must've like tipped over because it starts shooting fireworks all in their direction, like burning up like their whole like front yard. And they're like grabbing the kids to get them out of the way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no. Yeah. Wow. That's like my nightmare. And unfortunately it's been so close so many times. (laughs) So yeah. yeah. So we learned a lot through this experience and it's basically been, you know, our gut instinct, I feel like is still correct in that we shouldn't really limit our kids on what we think that they can handle or can't handle. We're always a little anxious about trying new experiences like bringing them to fireworks, like keeping them up late or things like that, that we think could potentially be a trigger. But it's been really rewarding pushing forward with these activities and pushing forward with attempting these things. We accommodate as best as we can. We did bring the earmuffs. We brought the sunglasses. We explained to them what the 4th of July was in advance. We told them to expect fireworks. We showed them videos on YouTube of fireworks. So we did walk them through the process of what to expect, and we kind of talked it up so that they'd be excited about it. And I think that helped. We also made it a trip. Like, we made it fun. We brought them to the dollar store before we went, and we let them pick out a bunch of, like, red, white, and blue glow sticks and glow necklaces and things like that. So that made it 
it more fun for them. And it kind of helped them stay up, too, because I knew they were going to have an issue staying up. So we got like the the little glow in the dark necklaces and bracelets. We cracked them and got them all lit. And so they were in their wagon and they're just sitting there chilling, spinning their little necklaces and stuff. And they were just like excited about that. So it's just like the little things that you can do to try to make them comfortable, try to make them feel safe, give them the expectation of what to expect in advance so that they're not kind of taken aback or taken off guard. So that's what worked really well for us this time around. And I think it would probably work well next time around, too. I think so. I think the big thing for me, I mean, obviously everything you just mentioned as far as like have like a plan in place, know kind of what you're doing before you're actually doing it. But I would try and say, which I mean, is always a challenge around like the fourth. If you're able to find a spot that doesn't have a huge crowd or a lot of other things going on, it might help in your benefit. For us, it was a relatively quiet parking. I mean, we weren't the only ones in the parking lot and there was some noise and like other families and whatnot kind of around, but it was much more quiet than if we were actually like where all the vendors are, where the music is playing, where the bouncy houses is, where like all the food is and everything. Like it would just kind of be much more chaos there trying to experience the fireworks versus if you just go like a few blocks off of like the standard hotspot. As long as you still have like a good view of the fireworks, I definitely think that that is a better approach until your kids are much more comfortable with crowds and all the other sensory things that come along with that. Yeah. And then there's always the alternative. Like I said, this was our first time taking them out, but we have in the past done just like at home, just getting the kids like the little sparklers and lighting those up. Just starting with sparklers is often a good idea because they were a little anxious even with that at the beginning. So like the first couple of years, we just tried to get them to be comfortable with seeing a sparkler, being close to one. Our eldest initially was terrified of sparklers. As soon as we would light one, she would run away screaming. So it took a while to get her even comfortable with sparklers. Eventually, she felt comfortable holding them. Eventually, she would play with them. And then we could graduate to the little fireworks, those mini ones that you can do in like your driveway. And we would shoot those off. And you know, those aren't too bad. Sometimes they're on the louder end. Honestly, I don't really like those loud ones. But it kind of gives them like a a precursor of like what to expect when it comes to the fireworks display without being too overwhelming. And it's in your control because like you can do that in your house. So if they need to run inside and hide, they can. If they need their safe space, they can. It's not a big deal. So there's always using that as kind of like the trainee wheel version before you bring your kids to an official large firework display. I like how you were leading up with it. It made me think in my own dumb mind as far as like, oh, we started off with like the sparkler and she was nervous and then we had her holding it and then we had her playing with it. And I'm like, if we keep elevating this, it only goes to like a more intense situation. Pyromania. (laughs) Now she loves throwing cherry bombs or whatever. And soon we're going to start playing with dynamite and like, yeah, just like, obviously we keep like the dynamite locked away. And- <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm kidding. For the I'm record, kidding. we do not store dynamite no, in the home. <laughs> no. I just thought, it, I just thought it was funny as far as like the escalation of like, now she's playing with the spark and she's like, and then she ran away from them. I was like, <laughs> But it was like yeah. the, like the elevation, like now we're going to teach her how to shoot some real fireworks. But um, <laughs> no, like I'm curious, like if we got uh, sparklers this year, she might still be a little on edge. Like, cause it, I mean, sparklers like are right, like obviously like right in your face. She was okay with them last time. That's the other problem with the 4th of July that people tend to forget 
there's a one-year break between the last fourth and the current fourth. So sometimes people will be like, I don't know why they're not okay with the fireworks this year. They were fine with them last year. And it's like, well, it's been a whole year. It's been an entire year between those two events. They might have forgotten any sort of comfort level that they have from that period of time might have dissipated by now. So it's like if you're not constantly reinforcing or exposing your kids to certain things, they stop understanding it or they could potentially just not feel comfortable with it again. So sometimes it's just the fact that they haven't been exposed to it for such a long time. And if that's the case, that's usually why you want to prime them in advance with maybe like sparklers or something like that or social stories or we like to do a lot of YouTube videos. So we'll go on YouTube and we will purposefully search for things like fireworks to displays or social stories of what fireworks are, why we celebrate the 4th of July. And we do that several weeks in advance leading up to the event. So sometimes just having to reintroduce that is something that makes a big difference in the end if your kid is one of those who forgets after a year. And honestly, I think if they're young, you almost have to start a little bit from scratch. I mean, every year. I mean, our kids are relatively young. I mean, uh, five and four. I mean, a year for them, I mean, it's a significant portion of like their life. Our kids have pretty decent memories, but in retrospect, like they might not recall having like a sparkler before. So as far as like, not like assuming, okay, they're comfortable and slowly making sure that like everyone is on the same page before a potential meltdown occurs because they're responding badly to a misunderstanding. Yeah. Or it could be the opposite. It could be that you have a child that like ours has really strong memory and maybe you did take them out to see fireworks one time and that time you didn't prepare that time they didn't have the earmuffs that time they didn't have the social story and because of that they did experience sensory overload they did get a meltdown they did freak out essentially and if that's the case it's possible that they still remember that and they have a strong association of like oh no fourth of july fireworks i don't like that that was scary that might be something that might trigger them just the idea the thought of the fourth of july one year later so that's something that we have struggled with in the past with our kids not necessarily with the fireworks but with things with like medical appointments and dental appointments it just takes one appointment to be ingrained in their memory for an entire year and they still still vividly remember that a year later. So if your kid is anything like ours and has that really strong, long-term, vivid memory like many autistic kids have, that could be another reason that they are anxious about the fourth. And again, it's really about slowly exposing them to these things. So maybe just starting with the sparklers, starting at home with those videos, social stories, seeing them at a greater distance than what you would typically try to see fireworks displays at to kind of ease them into it and then gradually up the ante every year until they're able to comfortably watch them closer up. Right now we are sitting at a good place. I'm not sure if we have any fireworks display coming up for the fourth. I would hope somewhere someone yeah. has to be There's shooting another one. Up. We'll do a round two. <laughs> <laughs> so um so hopefully that will be a very similar situation. We'll have to like scout the area to make sure we have our like remote parking lot kind of tucked away again and try and just do kind of a repeat of what we experienced last week and hopefully we will be successful so at least we have two positive experience kind of under our belt and then uh, from there we can start to uh, step it up a little bit with fourth of july we can see if it was a fluke or not (laughs) yeah exactly we can check out our data sample and see if it is true so So that's that's pretty much how our not really the fourth went and we will be trying again on the actual fourth for those of you listening in audio this will be like a week delayed for you guys but yeah we'll let you know how that goes 
I also wanted to mention part of what we do at Autism Wish is our annual earmuff drive. Because of our financial situation with my job loss this year, we significantly had to scale that back due to lack of funding because we self-fund a lot of these things. But we were able to get a donation from Star Soul. Star Soul was one of those people that we mentioned earlier that we had partner with to make a t-shirt for charity for Autism Acceptance Month. Their social media, I believe, is at Official Star Soul on Instagram and Facebook. They donated a bunch of earmuffs and we were able to gift about 35 kids this year. So we've kept that to our local community just to save on shipping costs. But we were able to actually successfully continue the tradition of donating earmuffs for the 4th of July. So that was really exciting. We were worried we wouldn't be able to do it this year, but they pulled through for us and we were able to do it. So I am expecting that a lot of these kiddos will have a great 4th and hopefully have as good of an experience as our kids had because i noticed earmuffs definitely make a difference right i mean and it's always easier to take them off than to like find out like oh we don't have them like let's hope everything goes well so it's always the thing you want to make sure you have and then just be pleasantly surprised when you don't need it versus trying to go the other way because it doesn't go so well the other way Yeah, it's like one of those better safe than sorry situations. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so that's all that we have for today. Do you have any other 4th of July recommendations or tips? Or has the 4th of July traditionally gone really poorly for you? Do you avoid it for any reason? Or is there anything that worked really well? And maybe I didn't mention some cool tips, some cool resource that you might be using. If so, make sure to leave a comment on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Autism Wish. And let us know if we see a cool one, we'll probably share it out. And if you like what you hear, please consider supporting our channel via Cash App at dollar sign Autism Wish or Venmo at Autism Wish. Your donation is going to help us keep our studio lights on and our programs running like our earmuff drive that we just barely were able to pull through with for our local community. So if you guys have even a dollar to spare, that would help us keep these programs running for as long as we can. That's all I've got for you guys this week. So we will see you next week. Have a good one. Good luck with the 4th of July. (laughs) Yes. May the 4th. No, it's May. That doesn't work. May the 4th. It's okay. Ah, July the 4th be with you. (laughs) All right, everybody. On that note, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.